Welcome again to the Restoring Virtue podcast. I hope you're back with a renewed sense of power to choose. I'm your host, Emily. In this episode titled, The Need for Light, we'll start to move away from the pain of sexual abuse so that we can begin to get better. One basic but essential human need is for connection, to belong. Belonging to a group gives an individual a sense of value, that what they have to offer is important and adds strength to the group. This need is as powerful as the need for food, water, and shelter. For our earliest ancestors, connection meant survival. They lived in groups in order to protect themselves, share resources, and divide up the workload. In fact, it's because of connection that people have advanced, and perhaps it wasn't until advancement that people realized that connection wasn't just critical to physical survival, but emotional survival as well. Isolation can lead to depression, mental illness, dementia, heart disease, and other chronic illnesses. On the other hand, being around others can help individuals cycle through and release many emotions. A smile, a hug, walking alongside someone, listening, all can produce feelings of happiness and comfort. Also, contact with others can help ground an individual in their own thoughts and perspectives. Sexual trauma is what's known as a relational wound. A relational wound is the loss of human connection. Some examples of relational wounds are the breakdown of love and trust, being made to feel inferior or unaccepted or emotional neglect. Relational wounds can cause us to close off and withhold the best and most vulnerable parts of ourselves. We not only feel socially disconnected, but emotionally disconnected from ourselves and ignore our own instincts. Many victims of sexual trauma say we feel like outsiders and often express feeling worthless. Episode 1, Where It Hurts, had a focus on the word darkness as a metaphor for the secrecy surrounding abuse. The word secret derives its meaning from the Latin word secretum, meaning without, apart, and separate. This is exactly what secrets do. They separate from and leave us without the human connection we so desperately need. The same definition, a synonym, for the relational wound. The act of sexual abuse even takes place in dark, secret, and isolated spaces. Studies have shown that secrets can be harmful to our mental and physical health. A study titled The Physical Burdens of Secrecy revealed that keeping significant secrets caused participants to perceive hills to be steeper, distances longer, and physical tasks to be more effort. Quote, the more burdensome the secret and the more thought devoted to it, the more perception and action were influenced in a manner similar to carrying physical weight. Thus, as with physical burdens, secrets weigh people down. Close quote. The longer secrets are kept, the more exhausting the burden becomes, and the more it affects perception. A secret that feels like a burden increases stress hormones and lowers the immune system response, making us more susceptible to actual physical illness. When we accepted the plan to be separated from God, 
We knew we would have to make choices without the aid of remembering where we came from or who we are. This meant that we would sometimes get those choices wrong. For that reason, a Savior was built into the plan. Jesus Christ is that Savior. In an act of atonement, he compensated for those wrong choices and rescued us from the effects of physical and emotional pain, weakness, death, and sorrow. This then makes it possible for us, with the help of Jesus Christ, to return to God's presence. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 14, verse 6, that, I am the way, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. By understanding the role of a Savior, we can see that human connection was built into the plan. It is not just a physical or emotional need, but a spiritual need. This need for connection is what drives people to be willing to believe in the supernatural existence of such a person. The atonement of Jesus Christ is relational in every way. Jesus Christ asks us both in Romans chapter 8 verse 17 and in Matthew chapter 11 verse 29 to be united with him, to take his yoke upon us, and to be joint heirs with him in the kingdom of God. This is what John says about Jesus Christ's part in the great plan of happiness. From his first chapter in verses 1 and 14, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I'm reading these verses aloud, so you may not realize that in these scriptures, the word word is capitalized. Jesus Christ is the word, his name is word, and his gospel is called the word of God. There is no distinction between who Jesus Christ is as a person and the words he speaks because he always speaks the truth. He hides nothing. Have you ever heard the phrase, it's eating away at me? This is a type of figure of speech known as an idiom, in which meaning is attached to a nonsensical phrase. A thing is not literally eating you, but the phrase creates a dramatic visual for how an unresolved issue can consume a person's thoughts, time, and energy. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3 plays with similar imagery, comparing internal spiritual needs with actual physical needs, stating, Man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. The physical body is sustained by food and water, but the soul literally needs words. The burden of secrets are the words we carry inside. Have you ever thought that there was something that you needed to hear or needed to say? What about certain words is a need? It's because those words reconnect you to a person after a rejection or conflict. It's not your fault. I am so sorry. I believe you. Relational wounds are healed with words. Words can shift a perspective or belief system. Words can stir up feelings and memories. Words can bring a person or group of people to action. Words can bond people together. Words can change lives. 
the right words are medicine for the sexually traumatized. So there it is. In order to move past the pain of abuse, there must be connection. However, connection is only one part of a dual concept. This duality or juxtaposition is a common thread in the plan. Learning the mysteries of God is making sense in our mortal minds of seeming contradictions. For example, one must let go in order to be lifted up. In this case of connection, the second part of the dual concept is trust. Connection cannot be built without trust. Trust implies that there's an expectation that we can rely on the character, strength, and most importantly, honesty of another. When two people are honest with each other, the result is mutual trust and connection. So words that heal aren't just any words, they are true words. The truth is, you are brave. The truth is, you can overcome this. The truth is, you are enough. The definition of trust is a firm belief in the truth. And to take that a step further, the definition of belief is an acceptance that something is true. Sadly, when trust is broken and connections severed, as in the case of abuse, we are forced to redefine what trust means. We feel betrayed, become suspicious, and full of self-doubt. What we thought and what we were told about the world is no longer, quote, true. If it's not true, then we can't trust it. Trust is now redefined as exercising restraint, command, or control over. If we can control our environment and force a specific predictable outcome, then we can, quote, trust what will happen next. This is where addictions such as eating disorders, substance abuse, and manipulative outbursts are born, from the need to control what happens to us. That need to control also helps explain why many of us blame ourselves for our own abuse. We may regret not speaking up or not being able to stop the abuse or the decisions we made that led up to the abuse. As victims, we may believe that if we somehow could have controlled the outcome, we would not be in pain now. Also, that we can prevent it from happening again. Trusting is a choice that you make about what you are willing to risk for a needed connection. The risk is not knowing if the right words will be heard, or if rejection will make the wound even deeper. The need for connection and the hope for a return is so strong that sooner or later, the burden of carrying the secret becomes worse than the risk of disclosing it. This means trusting someone with the truth that I was abused. The first person you must be honest with is yourself. Yes, some of us are in denial about what abuse is and that we have or are in fact being abused. A willingness to face the truth is what it takes to get better. Trusting yourself does not mean that you control the outcome. It means that you do what you can and then trust yourself to respond to the outcome no matter what the outcome is. It means confidence in your ability to make choices and then to solve problems. Trusting is risky when dealing with powers outside yourself or the agency of others. 
I told three people before I told the right people, the people who could help me. Look for people who emulate qualities you value and just know that trusting yourself is the foundation for trusting others. Confidence in your own ability to solve problems allows for those times when others let you down. Trusting God is believing in his plan and that his words are true. And although physical and emotional pain, weakness, death, and sorrow are part of the plan, there is a way out, even from the effects of sexual abuse. The knowledge that someday all will be made right can provide comfort to the traumatized soul, and maybe even a little connection with heaven. In summary, sexual trauma is a relational wound, and secret, or darkness, is the synonym. The need for connection is typically what pushes a person to reveal a secret when the burden of carrying that secret is worse than the pain of isolation. Disclosing not only metaphorically brings light to the abused soul, but actually literally lightens their physical burden. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life. He also says in the Doctrine and Covenants section 19, verse 23, Listen to my words, walk in the meekness of my light, and you shall have peace. A silly little tidbit about me, if you believe in the theory of love languages, is that mine is words of affirmation. The word affirm is an action word. It means to support, uphold, or defend something to be true. Adding the suffix t-i-o-n changes the action word affirm, something you do, to a thing, something you give. Affirmations are healing words we give ourselves and others. The people I'm most connected to are those who I can openly communicate with and give and receive words of acceptance and appreciation. In fact, the greatest act of service anyone has ever done for me is not to bring me dinner or give me free babysitting or shovel snow off my driveway. It has been to accept me as I am and to give me the room to grow as a person. There are many people who are kind to me and some who are not too, but there are a few people in my inner circle who make me feel seen and feeling seen is one of the best feelings in the whole world. To be valued, to feel like I belong, that I am important and add strength to a group. A quote from Apostle Elder Richard G. Scott comes to mind. If you want to talk to God, pray. If you want him to talk to you, read your scriptures. Prayer and scripture study are what will connect you back to God after the isolation and rejection of sexual trauma. It is through prayer that you may express the words you need to say and in the scriptures that you will find the words you need to hear. The words of God are true and are truly medicine for the soul. Jacob taught in chapter 2, verse 8, he said, They have come to hear the pleasing word of God, yea, the word which healeth the wounded soul. With that in mind, take in these words from Psalms chapter 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet 
and a light unto my path. Whenever I read this sacred poem, it causes me to pause. A picture forms in my mind of a darkened path, not dark with fear, but dark only because it is unknown. Looking ahead, I take a step, even though I don't know and can only vaguely see. My foot touches the ground. It's bare, but the path feels comfortable underneath me. This is trust. As I connect with the earth, a soft glowing light shines up from where I stand and urges me to keep going, to take another step, and I do. Are you feeling a little better now? There is a place you once belonged and still belong. That place is with God. But while you're still trying to get through this life, separated from his presence, you can find him at church. Yes, I've just given you the quote, Sunday school answers. Say your prayers, read your scriptures, go to church. But I don't mean to be trite. I'm showing you that the answer to connection is prayer. That truth is in the scriptures. The place for belonging is at church. And trusting God is a choice which will have the greatest returns. Finally, I want to tell you that I'm really grateful that you're here with me right now. I need this as much as you do.